Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Hello, hello. Welcome back to pre-med office hours with the medical school headquarters advising team. This is episode 148. Oh my goodness. Just about three years we've been doing some form of this. It's had a couple different names over the years, but once a week, every week, we come to you live, we take your questions, we answer them. This is your chance to get help with any of your pre-med questions. Um, we're streaming live to a lot of places, so you might be watching this on YouTube, you might be watching it on Facebook, you might be watching it on LinkedIn. Um, we have found that the places that are most effective for sending us comments are YouTube or public Facebook groups. So you can see on the screen, it says go to premed.tv. That's just the medical school headquarters YouTube channel. Um, but for wherever you're watching, feel free to type in comments or questions. Um, we don't necessarily get to them all, but we do our best to get to as many as possible. Um, and then uh, in case you don't know me, I am, oops, not supposed to touch the banners. I am Rachel Grubbs. <laughs> um, I'm one of the co-founders of MAPT. I'm the COO of medical school headquarters. I have been advising um, pre-med students in the sort of general process of being pre-med and applying to med schools and prepping for the MCAT for 20 plus years. So I'm excited to be here with you today. And I'm also excited to have a couple of my coworkers, Dr. Scott Wright. Um, Scott is former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, uh, retired executive director at TMDSAS. Uh, Scott, how are you today? I'm doing good. I, I, or I should say I'm doing well. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, uh, here in my home office with all the junk laying around and uh, trying to get myself organized. But uh, otherwise, I'm doing uh, pretty well. Great to have you today. Thank you. Good and also you. with us, Verinia Granham. Uh, Verinia is also a medical school headquarters advisor, former assistant dean of pre-health and STEM advising from Hofstra University. You've been advising people from the, you know, the wide range of pre-health process. So yes. MDDO, but also nurse practitioner, physical therapist, mm -hmm. wide, wide background. Great to have you with <laughs> yeah. us today. Thank you. Thank you. And, and actually, Scott, I'd like to say that we are, I am doing well, but we are all doing good, right? We're all helping students in some That's right. That is there, good. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the joy of being in education services is we yeah. get to do well by doing good. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good. All right. All right. So uh, comments and questions hopefully will be coming in shortly. Sometimes they take a few seconds to load on our side. Um, in the meantime, we can just chit chat a little bit. Uh, today is May 3rd. So two of the three application services opened yesterday. One, the remaining one opens tomorrow. Uh, Scott, what's what should be on students' minds right now? It's it's early in May. The applications are open. One of them is ready for submission this week, but the others don't have submission until later in the month. What, what should people be thinking about and doing right now if they're applying this year? Well, in terms of the actual completion of the application, uh, whether it's ACOMAS or TMDSAS or inputting things into, a into AMCAS, I think it's very important for students to take their time and be very intentional with what they're putting into the application. Uh, anytime, my, my feeling is that anytime you use your keyboard to put something into an application, you need to proof it. Uh, if you, that's a good uh, rule of thumb. If you use your keyboard to input something into the application, proof it numerous times, proof it out loud to yourself so that you're hearing yourself say it, read it uh, carefully um, and uh, because I think sometimes students get in a rush to be uh, to get it submitted quickly and they end up making mistakes mm -hmm. uh, that they misspell words or they 
put wrong things in or I, I've had people put the wrong birth date. Uh, their own birth date they got wrong. I mean, how bad is that? Yeah. Because they were rushing. And so, you know, don't rush it. Uh, take your time. Be very careful and very intentional as you're inputting stuff into the applications so that you are, are uh, satisfied that you are, uh, that you're being accurate and that you're being uh, careful and uh, precise in what you're inputting. Great, great feedback. Brinia, what about you? What do you think should, students should be thinking about here as we open the application cycle? Yeah, just like Scott was saying, just being mindful of, you know, no, try, don't sit at your computer at one o'clock in the morning trying to complete your application, right? Do it when you are most awake. I mean, if that's when you're most awake, then by all means, but do it when you're most alert. Um, keep in mind that this is not a race. Right. So everyone wants to apply early and submit early. The idea is to apply and submit when you're at your strongest and your application is complete. So if that means you take an extra couple of days to make sure that everything is exactly where you want it to be, then do that. It's okay. Um, it's, it's, it'll be worth it in the end because you presented that, that strong application. Yep. Great. All right, looks like we've got some questions and comments coming through so we can start with those. Mm -hmm. So drinks, hi drinks. Um, <laughs> I assume you're talking about like lemonade or water. Um, <laughs> uh, and, hydration? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who does? I mean, I've got LaCroix right here, man. Um, not paid advertising. Although, you know, if you want to sponsor us LaCroix, <laughs> we do give you a lot of money. <laughs> All right. Uh, Drink says, hi, everyone. At what point would you say it's too late to apply this cycle if my app is verified, but I need to get an MCAT score? Hmm. Brittany, you want to tackle this one? Sure. So application has been verified. You're just waiting on an MCAT score. Um, I think I mean, this it, must be theoretical because no one's app mm -hmm. is verified as of today. Right. Well, probably no one. <laughs> right, right, right. So assuming this is after verification, um, I mean, ideally you want to have your MCAT score as part of your, you know, initial review process already there. So I think having the score received before end of June is potentially the best op like situation. Any later than that, I mean, even July still, um, it's a little later in the cycle. They're really not starting to look at applications until July. So you want to have that, maybe no, have that score in, you know, reported um, by that time frame. Any later than that, taking it in August, September, that's really, really late at that point. At that point, they've already kind of done their review. Um, not saying it's impossible, not saying it's an automatic no at that point, but that's when you're looking at um, it's, you know, later, later in the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that's tricky about this is it's not too late mm -hmm. until the application closes, mm -hmm. but your chances are going to go right. down and down. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, uh, Scott, when you're talking about application, you'll talk about ideal, acceptable, mm -hmm. not acceptable. And I would say ideal is you have your score in hand now right? So that you're not right. having to think about the MCAT while you finalize your application, but still acceptable, like Verinia was saying, probably goes through like taking the MCAT late May, which means getting score back late June, which means at least for AMCAS, having everything in hand in time to complete your secondaries and the rest of your application, ideally in time for the first round of interviews being offered. But then there's this slow, murky, sort of slide mm -hmm. from acceptable to unacceptable and it's really hard to know because it's going to vary school to school year to yeah. year just based on the application timing and when the interviews are offered mm -hmm. agreed uh or31 says tips for writing secondaries that are short i.e under 250 words dr wright what do you think about this um, well, um, that's a, you're right that that is a very short, um, response. Uh, uh, and, and what I would say to that is you don't have a whole lot, you can't tell a story. Uh, you have to jump right into answering the prompt. The, the, the key is answer the prompt. Uh, and, uh, you, you need to, um, uh, 
uh, eliminate anything out of the narrative that it doesn't directly address the prompt. Uh, so that's, that's the key is, uh, it, it, that's the tip is to, uh, is to answer the prompt, uh, uh, as, as directly as possible. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And 250 words is, I mean, it varies, but roughly a thousand characters. Um, maybe maybe 700 characters, which is also the length of the MCAS activities, mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's about trimming the fat, but it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mitch says, I'm switching colleges for my last year of college for personal reasons. Does it matter that I'm switching after my MCAS application? No. Yeah. Uh, no, it I don't matter. think so. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, they may, they, 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 uh, they <laughs> might want to know, you know, something about that uh, in your, in, in an interview, for example. So I would say mm -hmm. just be prepared uh, to address. Uh, I, I think that you can't just say in an interview, for example, you can't just say for personal reasons, you, you may need to go into a little bit more detail than that mm -hmm. uh, to address, you know, exactly why you're switching from one school to another. But, you know, these days there are, there are many, many, many applicants that go to a lot of different schools for yep. a, a variety mm -hmm. of different reasons. So it's not going to be a, a, a red flag or anything. Uh, unless unless you got kicked out of your other school, which that would be a red flag. So right, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess if it's part of an institutional action, yeah. more discussion needed. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but For any sure. unlikely event. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else? Landon says, "How much harder is it to match into competitive specialties as a DO these days? Is taking the USMLE almost required?" feel like there's some bias baked into these questions, Landon. Um, we do have a resident former director of um, osteopathic admissions um, on our team, Courtney Lewis. She is um, away at a conference this week, so not here. But one of the um, facts that she shared with me that I genuinely, I mean, this is part of being an expertise, as you expert, you don't know everything, you keep learning, is typically... Um, like in recent years, AMCAS has cited like 89% acceptance rate for uh, or match rate for DOs into residencies versus 92% for MDs into to residencies. But also AMCAS only counts the matching that happens within ARAS, e, you know, the ERAS system. And a lot of DOs match outside of that. So actually for the last three or four years, the DO match rate has actually been the same or slightly higher. Now you're asking about competitive specialties. Again, I know it's like that's not the same as, as the, question, the question I just answered, but I think you have to be really careful with statistics because a lot of people will look and go, well, you know, look at this residency that I'm really interested in. Look how many MDs there are to DOs. Well, yeah, because there's a lot more MDs than DOs, period, because there's a lot more MD schools than DOs. So I, I'm not really sure how to answer your question other than a like, be mindful of the easy way to manipulate statistics to work for or against you. Um, but we have definitely seen DO graduates match into competitive specialties. A lot of your matching is about your performance in med school and your performance on rotations yep. and um, your performance on the board exams. And yeah, you may need to take both, both Comlex and USMLE. Sometimes that is required. Um, yeah. But, I think, I think in terms of, uh, MD residencies, I think they require uh, USMLE. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I, I don't think they accept conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Taking two shelf exams to me seems like a small price to pay for the right fit school. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, yeah. I mean, I understand they're big exams, but, you know, most people who apply to college take SAT and ACT. You know, these days, most people apply to business school, take GMAT and GRE. Like, it's becoming more common to have to take multiple standardized exams as part of your higher education. Like, I wouldn't let that be a deal breaker for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Mo Money. How important is leadership in an application? I know tutoring has its own category, but will adcoms also see it as leadership? Oh, the dreaded leadership categorization. <laughs> Brittany, I feel like you're becoming our in-house leader on, on activities classifications. I mean, we all know it, but this is an area yeah. where you're really strong. You want to chime mm -hmm. in here? Yeah, absolutely. So, and thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Leadership as its own category isn't what's um, important, right? You're, you're, they're reading, they're not just reading the category, remember, they're reading into what you did. So there's different ways to show the, that, that leadership quality. Um, yes, if you have a position, you know, maybe as an ex on an executive board where, where it's a leadership position, of course, put that on the application, talk about it, talk about why it was meaningful, show not just that, you know, you had this leadership role, but you actually did something with it. Um, that's what's more important. So, so is leadership important in an application? Yes, but not necessarily that you just had this title that falls into that category. Um, but what did you do in that position? How did you show, you know, leadership skills? You don't necessarily have to have a position of leadership to show those skills. So think big picture. Um, I don't know, tutoring, is it seen as leadership? The act of being a tutor alone may not be seen that way. It's what you're doing in that position that, that matters. Agreed. Yeah, I think a lot of students think leadership means I was on the e-board of a club, mm -hmm. and that's an extremely narrow definition. Mm -hmm. I don't think being a teacher or tutor is inherently leadership, right? But I also mm -hmm. don't think you have to have a promotion. I mean, you could get a job, right? You could be working as a busboy and then you get promoted to head busboy or, you know, like mm -hmm. head back of house assistant manager to a restaurant, right? Like that's leadership. But it also could just be they started asking me to train the newbies. And even if there was no official title role, right? Like that's leadership because you were trusted enough to help train mm -hmm. people. So yeah, it's like look for the opportunity rather than the title. Yeah. Yeah, because there are plenty of students who have those leadership positions, but it's they didn't do anything with it, right? Yeah. So, so what's meaningful behind it? It's okay, yeah, you were in that position, but what did you do with it? Mm -hmm. And you can show that leadership in other in other other ways. Mm -hmm. Quick fun sidebar: uh, When I was in college, I knew some guys from um, a private high school in Cleveland, who in their in the club that they were in all juniors wrote down vice president and all seniors wrote down president because they apparently didn't realize that typically when college admissions divide up work, they'll look at everyone from the same high school, right? So like there's one person going through, I'm not deliberately not saying the name of the school mm -hmm. on purpose, but like one person going through St. So-and-so's schools going, oh, that's so funny that there were seven juniors in this club and you were all vice presidents. So I was like, yeah, that... The title meant nothing. Mm -hmm. They were looking to know what you did with it. So now not only did you lie, but you got caught looking stupid and you couldn't even like, they literally thought it was just about the title. They had no mm -hmm. idea that it was about the essay that goes with the thing. Um, yeah. Not a good look. Nope. <laughs> Kaylee Gray, hey, she's a gray. Maybe she's related to our gray. Uh, can I submit my application without having Casper? Yes, because Casper is not part of the primary application. It's something that individual schools, so you can submit the Casper directly to the schools that want it when you take it. Yep. Easy peasy. Nora Kelly says, hello, I have all my requirements, but I just don't feel ready to apply. If there's two years between when I graduate and apply, will that raise any concern or question? Dr. Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, two years between college and med school, absolute red flag deal breaker, never going to take that person. Now, uh, you know, I think what they're going to want to know is what you did during those two years, what you were, you know, what were, what were you doing? Were you working? Were you uh, in, a, in a, another educational program? Were you traveling? And, and just, you know, maybe you're traveling the world, uh, for two years. I mean, that'd be awesome if somebody could do that. But, uh, you know, what, what they're, they're going to want to know what, what you're doing in those two years and, uh, and what you're learning about yourself and what you're learning about medicine and uh, in, in, those, in, those, in the intervening time period. But in and of itself, no, that's not going to raise any, any concerns or questions. 
so I wouldn't wor worry about that. Uh, what I would have is a plan uh, in terms of what you're what you're wanting to do during those two years, and uh, and and make it clear in your application, you know, what that was all about for you. Yep. 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 Uh, quick fun fact. Uh, AAMC surveys Med 1 students, and latest information indicates that 65% of all Med 1s took five or six years between high school and med school. Yeah. So um, I still believe the concept of non-traditional exists, but you aren't non-trad just because you did five or six years between high school and med school. Non-trad mm -hmm. tends to mean like you know, much later in my 20s or in my 30s or 40s or 50s. We have two different advisees that we're working with this year who are in their mid-50s who are starting med school this summer. Yep. Um, yep. So yep. it's, it's yep. absolutely possible to go later in life. So good yep. luck, Nora. Make sure you're making use of that extra time. Yeah. Figure out why you don't feel ready and work on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. William Lynn. William Lynn says, I have two bad math grades. One is a non-transferable community college. Nope, all courses count. It doesn't matter whether or not it transferred. Uh, one is a non-transferable community college intermediate algebra class. Uh, retook the D in a transferable college algebra, got an A. Yeah. All courses that you've taken at any college or university, including dual enrollment from high school count. So sometimes people think like, oh, they're just gonna look at my grades from my main four-year school. No. There is a national clearinghouse of data about this. So you as an applicant are required to show every transcript, every course you ever attempted, even if you didn't get a grade, anything at any second year or four year institution in the U.S. or Canada. And um, you're required to show them all and they will verify it. And they will also cross reference against this national clearinghouse to make sure you didn't omit anything, um, you know, there can be up to one or two, or I think even maybe all the way up to 10 mistakes, but the more mistakes you make, the longer it takes for them to verify. If you make too many, they just send it back to you. So not that you said you weren't gonna include it. <laughs> I'm just explaining like dire consequences if you don't include. Um, but how are they gonna look at it? You got one D, you retook it, you got an A. That sounds not so bad. Right. Mm -hmm. It's OK to get one or two bad grades in college if your overall grades are great and your trend goes up. Right. If the bad yeah. grades were early and then you fix those problems, I wouldn't sweat it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simran, Simran Singh says, if I had to leave an MA position due to more financial responsibility to a different facility, is that frowned upon? I'm seeing big head shakes from Verinia. No, not necessarily. People leave positions for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would just focus on, you don't have to explain why you left the previous position. You just talk about what you did during that time in that position and then talk about what you did in the new position. The financial yeah. aspect of it is not what's um, as relevant, right? They don't need to know that. You can just tell yeah. them you left when started somewhere else. Yeah, the word choice here is weird, but it sounds yeah, like it pain. I found a, a similar job with better pay. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's like, what I was thinking. Good for you. No one's yeah, going right? to fault you for that. No, yeah, I, I, don't know. Similar, I don't know if you can chime in to clarify. Like, sometimes when people ask questions like this, I think there's a real question hiding behind your question. And what I wonder in this case is we all here, you know, with the three of us, Dr. Dr. Gray, Courtney, we all talk a lot about consistency and activities. We don't mean find a job and never leave it. We mean continue to get clinical throughout your pre-med process. Mm -hmm. But if you try one clinical job, you try EMT and you realize, you know what, that's too, too much, you know, heart in my throat. I need something more like med assistant. Great. Mm -hmm. And if you have one med assistant job you love, but you find a one that you love more with more money. Great. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if that was the real question is like, is it going to look bad that there was a break or a short gap? No. All right. Let's keep tracking. Judah Campos, would you consider a medical scribe as shadowing experience? This is a hotly contested question, my friend. Uh, Dr. Wright, you want to talk about this? I don't consider it a shadowing experience. Um, you're doing active participation in an activity so that's not sh shadowing is you're doing nothing. It's, it's like, that's why they call it a shadowing because it's like a shadow 
you know, <laughs> shadow that follows you around, but the shadow's doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So that's why they call it shadowing. Mm-hmm. So I don't see scribing as shadowing mm-hmm. because you're doing stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I, I would say, I would say the thing that is more hotly contested is whether or not sh- uh, scribing is clinical. Uh, that is sometimes a little bit dicier of a, of a situation. Um, I think it's clinical just because you're within the context of, of the hospital or the clinic and you're actively participating in doing something, even though you may not be talking to the patient or you may not be, you know, doing some medical procedure with the patient, you're still participating in the process of the clinical activity. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I would say that that is, uh, is a clinical position, but I would not describe it as uh, a shadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I think you've hit those nuances as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whatever you do, don't double count. Right. Whatever you're going to pick, either count it all in one, or you might even divide, right? But you can't say a thousand here and a thousand here if it's a thousand hours total. Right. You could do eight hundred yeah. and two hundred if it's a thousand total. Right. Thanks for asking, Julia. All right, D. Helene, is there anywhere on the application to submit a previous MCAT score and also? that I am retaking in mid-June. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, you have to submit all of your MCAT scores. <laughs> yep. And uh, and yes, there is a place where you can check that you have a future MCAT coming. Will schools still wait for the new score to come in before reviewing? Yeah, most of them will, Helene. And so that's pr- good and bad, right? The good is if you mark a future MCAT, most of them are gonna wait and uh, consider the new MCAT. So the bad is, now, this isn't too bad for you because you said you're taking it in mid-June, but it means that some people are going to start getting reviewed before you are because they will be waiting for your new mm-hmm. MCAT. That's mm-hmm. typically what happens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Rylan says, hello, what is the most effective way to list multiple publications and poster presentations on AMCAS and ACOMAS? Thank you. You can tell it's application season. Lots of technical <laughs> questions. Yeah. All right, Brittany, you want to tackle this? Yeah, this is this is a tough one. Um, I struggle sometimes too helping students figure this out <laughs> because you have to get very creative with abbreviating wherever you can. Um, you know, just list kind. Of, you know, the most relevant information about that publication or the you know the poster presentation. You don't have to list all the authors necessarily. Um, and it's a little bit even more difficult with the commas because it's a shorter character limit. So, you know, just play around with it. You know, like I said, you don't have to list, it's not like a, like, you know, when you think of a citation or whatever that you have to include all the authors, um, you could just list the name of the publication. I've told students this before too, and it works. Um, and just say I was second author or whatever for that publication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. one way to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I would say the meta point here is no rules. Mm -hmm. Do what you need to do to fit them in. Don't worry so much about complete titles. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's okay to abbreviate. And and also keep in mind that in these applications, you cannot do any kind of like bolding or underlining or italicizing. Mm -hmm. It's all characters. And so what you you typically want to do with the title of a – of a presentation or anything, you just put it in quotes yeah. is, is that's the way to do it. Cause you can't, there's yeah. no, uh, formatting. No formatting right. right. Yeah. No mm-hmm. formatting, no hyperlinks. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make sure you're, if you're pre-writing all your stuff before you put it in the app that you're using a very plain text kind of format, mm-hmm. like maybe your notepad app mm-hmm. or maybe even just an email draft, but you have it set to plain text. Mm-hmm. Um, no formatting whatsoever. You will regret it. Now, if you do want, if the if the publication is online and you want them to have act to to you know potentially access it, you can put a URL, but it's not it's not going to hyperlink. They'll have to type it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I've had students who who do that, and and there are admissions committee members who will look it up and mm-hmm. who will you know access it and and uh, mm-hmm. uh, a variety of types of. Uh, uh, websites or por- mm-hmm. online portfolios or uh, things like that, that you might want them to potentially look at if they're interested. 
Yeah, and I think in that case, online portfolios make sense, right? Because it's a lot mm-hmm. easier for someone to look up rachelgrabs.com right. than HTTPS mm-hmm. colon slash slash University of Saskatchewan yeah. dot slash. Right? <laughs> right, 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 right. I do not have a publication at Saskatchewan. I do have a rachelgrabs.com, but right. it just says I teach yoga and advise prevents. There's nothing fancy there. <laughs> um, all right, let's keep chugging. <laughs> Sebastian Penalosa, just wanted to shout out Marinia. <laughs> Thank you. It's been an amazing help in my personal statement and activities. Wow. Yay. Thank you, awesome. Sebastian. Yeah, he's awesome too. He's got a great story. Thank you, Sebastian. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, we're all good at essay feedback. I think that Verinia is probably the most well-rounded in terms of killing it pretty equally at essay feedback and interview prep. <laughs> now, I will just say, because people might be going, oh, my God, how do I work with her? She's very limited right now, folks. <laughs> so you can still work with Verinia, but you're, like, pretty booked through mid-June at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, just you know. just be aware. Like, we yeah. are still taking some essay review for the next mm-hmm. few weeks. And actually, weirdly, most of it is me and Ryan. Normally, Ryan and I don't help, but we're so in high demand right now that we're pitching in. So I guess that's the pro-con. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, Verinia is definitely still available. And for those of you that are looking for next year, we are already taking enrollments for people who want to do next cycle. We're not starting with you yet. Typically, our rough rule of thumb for toggling over is like roughly Labor Day. Um, but if you're really keen to work with Verinia or Scott or Courtney and you're hoping to get that specific person, it is not too early to go ahead and sign up for next cycle. Or if someone is interested in secondaries for this cycle, not too late to sign up for that. You know, because you may not be writing secondaries yet, but you know you're going to in June. So now, because we are booking ahead, now's a good time to enroll. So, yep. um, yeah, yeah. MedicalSchoolHQ.net slash advising. Yeah, all the options are there. It's a great, it's a great feeling. It's a great problem to have because I know we're helping all these students tell their yeah. stories. So, um, but yeah, book now. <laughs> <laughs> book yeah it's, i always say with advisors in like may june and july is a little bit like going to the mall the day after thanksgiving <laughs> like long lines are expected so mm-hmm. if you can pre-order do pre-order there you go and and then again of course if like that scheduling doesn't work for you or the, the it's not out of your it's not in your price range lots and lots of free stuff on the podcast the website mm-hmm. and uh in here and here all right. Thanks, Sebastian. You gave me a natural chance to do a little commercial break. Really little appreciate plugs. it. And little appreciate plugs. the feedback. I love Verinia too. Thank you. Um, Jonathan H. says, if you add schools to your application later in the cycle, i.e. July, will most schools send you secondaries immediately or is there a delay? This is a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's what I've seen in the past, Jonathan. Um, we say for people who are submitting in early June, oh, you won't get secondaries until late June or early July because that's as early as AMCAS starts transmitting them to med schools. So right now I'm just talking specifically about AMCAS because the rules are a little different service to service. Um, But once, um, once the schools start transmitting, it is possible for a school to see that you've selected them if you've submitted, even if you haven't been verified. So although there's not a guarantee that you'll get them right away, you could submit in mid-July, still be waiting on GPA verification and still get some secondaries. It is possible. But I've also heard of cases where people submit in July or August and don't get their secondaries for several weeks. So there's just a lot more room for variation at that point. Um, So I think the important thing to keep in mind is that whether you get them immediately or there's delay, you're still gonna be a little bit behind the people who are already, who have already completed. So like, I mean, don't worry too much about all the nuances, just keep in mind, there's when did you submit your primary and there's when did you complete your secondaries. So by that, I mean, turn around the essays, any missing letters of rec, your Casper or your preview if you need it, everything that's meant to go back to the school for them to actually consider you for an interview. Whatever timeline you pick, just be sure you're getting to that complete line as early as you can while still doing it right. Okay. 
John says, I was a CNA at company A from 22 to 2003, company B from 2003 to present. I only want to use one activity space in AMCAS. Is it okay to list company B from 22 to present? Uh, no, I wouldn't mm -hmm. lie, but there is a solution for you. You want to talk for any um, Yeah, no, I wouldn't say that you were at that company. Um, sorry, I didn't get that far. <laughs> The solution could be that you put, I was a CNA for this time period. And then in the description, you write, you know, I worked at this company or I worked at that company or whatever. So cover the yes. whole period as a CNA. Yep. Not, not at one exactly. particular location. Exactly. Bing, 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 bing. And AMCAS does let you list instances. You get, yeah. I think, up to four, maybe five instances. So for AMCAS, yeah. you can say CNA and then do instances of this one and this one and just mention same job, two different firms. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you can solve your problem, but you don't want to mislead them and say it was just one company when it was two. Yeah. Easy peasy. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Gaki Kim, hello. Do they average your MCAT score if you retake the test? The short answer is maybe. The longer answer is probably not, but they can do anything and everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, schools get to decide. Um, and Scott, you've seen this happen a lot of different ways over the years. What are the possibilities of what's going to happen with multiple MCAT scores? I think the, the vast majority of medical schools either take your highest total score or your latest total score, mm -hmm. depending on the school. Uh, I have never heard of a school that averages uh, a uh, MCAT scores. Yeah. Uh, so that that would be, um, I mean, they could if they wanted to, but I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Um, I don't know, uh, Gahi, if you have friends in the LSAT world, that used to be a lot more common in law, although that's also gone away a lot. But for for maybe 15 or 20 years ago, that was very common with LSAT. So like if you got a 160, which is above average, and then a 180, which is perfect, it would average to a 170. That's a bad example because all those scores are great. <laughs> but, but yeah, MCAT, that's very rare to average. All right. Um, is there a, really an institution imposed quota by medical schools on how many international students to admit? I'm planning to on a planning on applying to an undergrad, but I don't want to just check boxes as an international. Um, yeah, I guess maybe to clarify your question, not all U.S. med schools will even accept international students. So I don't know so much about quota, like we're only going to allow this many, but there are out of the 200 plus med schools, it does seem to vary year to year, but I think only about a third of them accept international students. So you are going to have very limited choices when applying as an international student. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not sure how that relates to your applying as an undergrad. Yeah, Having know. a U.S. education will help, yes. um, but you're still going to not be eligible for federal loans. You're still going to be, if you don't have a green card, you're still going to be limited in which schools will even consider you. And I don't, I don't really get the don't want to check boxes as an international. I mean, you don't have a choice. If you're international, you're international. Whether you check a box or not, they're going to know you're an international student. So, right. I don't. I don't really understand that part. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand what they're asking either. <clears throat> All right, Jean Saint Pierre. Uh, I'm part of an org that goes to nursing homes and works closely with the elderly doing brain exercises, i.e. math, reading, and many various activities to simulate their brain. Is it clinical? Dun, dun, dun. Is it clinical.com is a domain we bought a long time ago. We have not done anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're interested, we're willing to sell it to you for a very high price. <laughs> or if you're a great coder, help me build a little algorithm wizard to help people determine right? it's clinical or not. <laughs> it's clinical. Well, we, we, we consider um, clinical experience or patient care experience as any activity in which you're impacting the patient or working with someone in, in a way that impacts their health. Um, the setting doesn't matter, but in this case, working in a nursing home, working with the elderly, you're doing exercises, kind of keeping them alert. It sounds, it sounds clinical to me. 
Um, I'm assuming that this is also part of this might also just be keeping them company, making them comfortable, maybe bringing them, you know, a blanket mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would consider this clinical. Yeah, I agree. Uh, exp- you know, talk about it mm-hmm. in the activity, talk about what you do with them, and mm-hmm. ultimately let the medical schools decide if yeah. it's clinical enough. <laughs> um, but I, I, I would consider this clinical. Yeah, yeah. same. I agree. There's some gray area in clinical, but I think you can make yeah. the case. Mm-hmm. You are working with them for their well-being. Yeah, it certainly addresses their mental health and, right. and uh, their, their cognitive, cognitive health. Cognitive, yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Good work. Uh, like me and my mama playing Wordle all the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Jennifer, uh, let's see, or maybe Janifa. Anyway, do you have any advice on gaining clinical experience during the first year of college? Since I don't have experience, it's hard to land one. Yes, the dreaded new employee. We, they say you need to get a job to get experience. Oh, wait, even our entry-level jobs expect experience. Isn't that fun? Yeah. It's really great. Uh, um, one thing you can look at, Jennifer, is volunteer. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're having trouble getting paid clinical experience, which may require, then um, it, it has been harder since the pandemic to get volunteer experience because a lot of places that used to accept lots of volunteers are now shutting down the paid employees only just to keep it to essential workers to keep people safer. Um, but if you get um, uh, go, you can go to the Red Cross. So there's lots of places that'll do HIPAA certification. Um, that'll do like basic, you know, healthcare certifications. If you do that kind of stuff, then it can be easier to get your foot in the door. And two places that never seem to stop being desperate for volunteers are nursing homes and hospice. So I'm not saying those are the only places to do it, but those are great places to look. I think a lot of people hear clinical and they think must be hospital, must be a clinic. Broaden your search. Consider nursing homes, hospice, consider in-care home, consider urgent care, private practices. Um, there's lots and lots of places to get clinical experience. And, and Jennifa, or Jennifer, sorry, if you're, sh- um, start also by looking into opportunities to shadow, right? Yeah. So shadowing is how you first connect with doctors and see what their day-to-day is like. And that could potentially lead to something more hands-on. Um, so I don't know what, if you've done shadowing yet, it seems like you're just kind of starting out on this path. Um, everything we just said, absolutely. But also think, okay, I have to actually just get an opportunity just to see what goes on with, mm-hmm. with a doctor. So mm-hmm. start there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's All a good right. entry point. Are we supposed to have an activity for every single category? No. Or is that bad advice? Yes, I agree. That's bad advice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Scott, what is the purpose of the activities? As a director of admissions, why do you have students, or when you were directors of admissions, why did you have students for activities? What were you trying to learn? Well, I think there's a variety of things that you're wanting to glean from that as an admissions committee. You want to see what what a, what a student is does with their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to see what their passions are, what you know, what they're committed to, and the level of commitment mm-hmm. uh, that they have to a certain activity. And it doesn't have to, you know, it could be a hobby, uh, it could be work, it could be a volunteer experience, you know, whatever. Uh, so I think they're they're also looking for competencies that you have developed by virtue of. Uh, being in that activity. Uh, so there's a, a variety of things that I think admissions committees can can learn about you from looking at your activities. And, 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 and again, always keep in mind, I have no clue how to pronounce your name, by the way. Um, keep in mind that um, it's important, the, the, the level of reflection that you go into about that activity is, is really, in my view, the key to the value of that activity for you, and then that's gonna transfer to the admissions committee. In other words, if you go into some some pretty significant level of detail in in, in relating what you learned out of that activity, why it was meaningful to you, uh, what I call the so what, Mm-hmm. Uh, so what if you did that? Who cares? You know, you got to tell me more about what, what you got out of this and why it was important to you. Uh, then that's where the value is. Yep. 
agreed. So with that understanding, you can see why trying to just squeeze in a, something for every category wouldn't make sense because some yeah. of those things might not have any reflection on you. Right. The only activities that I think aren't optional um, are clinical and shadowing. Mm -hmm. And other than that, yeah. how do you spend your time? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. RA says, if I plan to enroll in medical school of August 2025, when is the latest I can take my MCAT? I've heard May 2024 is the latest, but I've also heard I could even take it in 2025. Not sure what's mm. right. All right. So here, all right. I mean, the things you've heard aren't incorrect, but they are missing the context I think you need. So first of all, you might start med school in August 2025, but you also might start in July. Med schools tend to start in the summer, right? So what you need to understand is that the med school application cycle runs May to April. So if you're hoping to start med school in summer 2025, you're applying uh, May 2024 and getting your responses maybe earlier, but at least by uh, April 2025. I mean, and there are people who get off wait lists later, right? So... Can you take the MCAT in May? Yeah, you can, but then you're gonna get your score back in June and the application cycle will already be open. So um, I guess you're saying what's the latest. Uh, yeah, I have known people who retook an MCAT in January of the year that they hope to, hope to start school. And that sometimes will work for DO schools or for Caribbean schools. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're planning ahead that far, you should be taking the MCAT at the end of the summer or in January or March, right? So don't think about what's the latest you can take it. You mm -hmm. want cushion for air. Mm -hmm. Think about when should I be taking it? And mm -hmm. I think ideally you should be taking it. I mean, you have to wait till you've got the prereqs done, but you want score in hand before applications open. Not so you can make a school list because your school list is not that different whether you have a 507 or a 514, but so that you know, I got a good score and I'm definitely applying this year and now can focus your energy on essays. Yeah. And you made a really good point. Take your prereqs before you take the MCAT. I, <laughs> I speak to students so many times who want to attempt the MCAT without, you know, with missing one or two prereqs and that's just not a good idea. You're not going to be able to self-learn that material. Take the prereqs first. Yeah. I think that that almost well, not almost always, but frequently that uh, complicator for that is biochemistry. Yep. Where they, which unfortunately is yeah. probably the most important prereq. Right. So I know yeah. that's very frustrating if you're at a school that makes you take both semesters of OCHEM before you take your biochem, because mm -hmm. um, that can be the delay factor. But. And you're going to say, like, I talked to someone who took the MCAT six years ago and they didn't take biochem. Right. Because we didn't start requiring the yeah. biochem until April 2015. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there were people whose college planning got all messed up. But you don't have that excuse anymore. You know better. Um, right. You don't have to have a lot of biochem, but you should really have a solid A and a complete mastery of the basic first semester of biochem. Yeah. Or it is going to really hurt because biochem shows up in, I am not kidding, three of the four sections and people yeah. are always like no rachel that can't be right obviously mm -hmm. your biology and your biochem the mm -hmm. chem phys is chemical and physical foundations of biological systems and sometimes psych. biochem shows up in psych, psych. social because of the neuroscience there you yeah. go yeah so mm -hmm. cars is really the only place you should expect to be safe from biochem mm -hmm. <laughs> unless unless the question is why did you hate biochem yeah. <laughs> then, you know, then you have to <laughs> <laughs> Prepare Good question, though, RA. I appreciate you asking because I love that you're yeah. thinking ahead. So even though I came out all like, it's, it's out of love. <laughs> Ooh, another really good one. Okay. Chris Adams says, did well in a class and want to ask professor for LOR. I want to ask now compared to approximately three years from now, but it might be too early since there will be less activities the professor could talk about in my letter. Any advice? Yes, I do have advice, and so do the others. You guys want to chime in? Sure. Yes, Chris. So it, it, I love this question because the student is thinking ahead. Um, so you have the opportunity to. You're, I, I, you're right. It's it's a little early to ask for it, but you have the opportunity to. Um, nurture that relationship and stay in touch with that professor. Um, you've already connected with them. Stay in touch, show an interest in what they're doing, kind of give them periodic updates so that when you do apply, you've built that relationship and now they know you really well and can write you a really strong letter. Yes. Ding. 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 Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a little modeling, Chris, what I typically would just say is, hey, I'll be applying to med school in a few years. Mm -hmm. I would love it if you want to write me a letter of recommendation when the time comes. Is it okay if I keep in touch with you to that end? So you're Mm -hmm. not like pretending you just want to be their friend. You're being very honest about what your motivations are. But it's also going to be a lot easier to get the yes, because all you're really asking for is, can I keep in touch? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. Uh, Another question from Mobius. Uh, Are schools that ask for non-science LOR very strict about the requirement? Does an LOR from a web dev course fit the bill? I mean, I think it's going to vary school to school, Mobius. you just need to make sure that you know exactly how they're defining what their letters of record of mm-hmm. terms are. But yeah, a lot of schools do two science and one non-science. And I don't, I mean, if, if that's the case, web development sure sounds like non-science to me because right. typically when they say science, what they really mm-hmm. mean, and again, check with the school, but usually when the school says science, they mean biology, chemistry, physics, maybe math. Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, life sciences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Pure sciences. Yeah, hard sciences. Oh, wait, that's Chris again. Do we do that one? All right, so maybe we've come to the end. That's fine. Um, Yeah, I mean, we were going to end in the next few minutes anyway, so we can end a couple minutes early. Um, So, yeah, application cycle is open. Um, If you haven't already gotten one-on-one help, we are still accepting students. We've got some half-hour advising systems if you just want to pick our brain. Um, we've got some written-only essay feedback. We are taking ahead enrollments for secondaries for later in the summer for interview prep. Um, mm-hmm. We're taking enrollments for hourly package cycles for next year, so it's not too late to plan ahead. Um, if you um, aren't ready to make that kind of commitment, I would definitely recommend that you check out um, premedworkshop.com. That's where we list all of our free workshops. We have about two a month every month. Uh, thank you for the banner, Veronica. Um, and then also reminder that MAPTCON is coming up. So mm-hmm. MAPTCON is our uh, pre-health conference that for the last few years has been virtual this year live in Baltimore, Maryland. So on the train line, easy journey from really anywhere in the Northeast and hopefully some other places too. Um And uh, it'll be October 6th to October 8th. And we'll be there in person with a slew of pre-health professionals, um, med schools, podiatry schools, physician assistant schools, pharmacy schools. It's going to be for all pre-health students. Lots of chances to network, to meet peers, to meet leaders, to meet schools. So check out mapcon.com. Now is a good time to get an early bird discount. Yep. Yeah. All right, friends. So we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.